0: Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors.
1: Hi, this is the Visionary Podcast series about visionary ideas and people. My name is Max Reklinko, and I'm Cowan's retail and fitness analyst. In this episode, we'll delve into the topic of the fast-growing home and decor market led by an innovative millennial-focused brand. We are pleased to be joined by Parachute's founder and CEO, Ariel Kay. Parachute is a modern lifestyle brand that makes people feel at home. The multi-category home company offers products that are thoughtfully designed in Los Angeles and responsibly manufactured by expert craftspeople around the globe using only premium quality materials. Thank you for joining us, Ariel. Thanks for having me. So Parachute has seen really strong growth over the past few years. What are you most excited about today? And what are you most proud of? It's a great question. Um,
0: I'm most excited about, well, our continued growth trends. Um, We have been growing um, and seen incredible acceleration of growth um, as a brand, as we enter new categories over the past few years. And I'm looking forward to continued expansion into the categories that we're in and some additional categories that we're moving more deeply into, such as furniture. I'm also extremely excited about our retail strategy. Um, We're open in 16 stores as of this week and we'll have 30 by the end of this year with a plan to open 20 more annually year over year. And lastly, I'm, I'm just excited about home as a category in general. Um, I see so much opportunity. I see such a um, shift in the way people think about their homes. And I see that trend as something that will not change. Um, and so excited to be a part of this important category for our customers today. And as they go through the many life moments that will continue to be a part of you know, their spending power and the way that they consume.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, the category has seen massive growth and with Rise of Work From Home, we think that that's probably going to continue. So I guess the the next question uh, would be just how big is Parachute now? Can you share growth or customer metrics with us? And then how did the pandemic uh, change the trajectory of the business?
0: Sure, so um, we ended 2021 very strong with a growth rate of about 60% um, doing about 150 million in revenue. Our customers um, more than quadruple the past five years. Um, our repeat order rate within the first two years of purchase is at 84%. So we have an incredibly engaged audience. We see our growth rate this year continue to be quite strong. And we believe as we continue to diversify our assortment and to be where our customers are in a bigger, more profound way that that will just continue to, to grow. And there's a few areas that have driven our success to date. Um, You know, investing in our our customer experience, investing in technology, our digital platform, um, brick and mortar, which I've now mentioned a few times, um, our product innovation, um, and just, you know, the way that we think about our aesthetic and our our strong point of view around brand, um, It. Continues um, to just you know we have this appetite from our customers for more um, and and comfort continues to be a high priority for people and we're we're really ready ready to capitalize on that trend.
1: Sure, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And there's really there's recently been a big debate in the markets uh, whether growth may be slowing given some of the you know numerous macro headwinds that we're all seeing. So. Just curious, what are you seeing and what are your shoppers telling you?
0: Sure. I mean, we we have seen and continue to believe that home will remain the center of activity, um, even as folks go back to work. We're going to see some sort of hybrid model in a bigger way uh, moving forward. But we actually are looking at trends um, around, you know, more city dwellers moving to the suburbs, um, where homeowners spend about eighty percent more on furniture and one hundred and twenty six more on home textiles, and we're also seeing this um, shift with the millennials, who are a huge part of our audience. Um, you know, Our customers are about 70 plus percent millennials, and, and we're sh- seeing that the share of millennial homebuyers has risen over 43% over the past year, and that millennials are making up of half of all home loan applications. So we know that our customer um, is really focused on the home and that a big part of their spend will go to the home. Um, And so we believe that, you know, these are huge drivers that will continue to push the industry forward. And, you know, while the world may be reopening and people may be diversifying where they're spending, whether it's on travel or apparel, we, we really do believe that home continues to be a huge focus for our customer base.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with both work from home as well as, to your point, uh, millennial home ownership trends. We think that that's going to continue. So if we were to take a step back, can you discuss your framework as you continue to expand the breadth and depth of your selection? You started with a pretty select assortment, which has now expanded to cover essentially all the rooms in the home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think there's a few different ways to build a brand. We've taken this more home lifestyle approach. So our goal is really to be in every room of the home in a very major way. Um, We still are very curated in our assortment. So we've created this new beloved aesthetic, um, which is this perfectly undone, timeless feel and so it allows us you know as we move into different categories we don't need to design into a number of different aesthetics as you know some of the other retailers do where you see things like a mid century modern aesthetic and a more coastal aesthetic and a more um you know, you get the point, like different aesthetics that right. um, you have to design quite a few skews into. We are really creating our own aesthetic, but furniture is a huge initiative for us and, um, you know, where we see a lot of... Um, Revenue um, being coming from in terms of, of the public company brands that are out there. So it's an important category for us and one that we're continuing to really invest in from both a team perspective and um, and a, and just a, a category perspective. But we our goal is to truly be in every room of the home and to be where our customers are and to be this one stop shop um, for all things comfortable, all things quality for the home.
1: What are your shoppers telling you that they want next? If you can give us a uh, sneak peek into uh, what may be in the pipeline.
0: Our first furniture collection that we launched last September was really focused on the bedroom and um, coming next is really a move towards the living room. So. You know, we have an incredible feedback loop um, through our retail stores, through our customer experience channels. You know, my background actually was in um, consumer behavior research um, before launching Parachutes. So we have built an organization where we look at every possible interaction as a focus group. We're always learning for our custom from our customers, and we know that they want more. And so. You know, we've got this information that really helps us drive our strategy. You know, also of course, looking at greater trends within the industry. But you know, we have an opportunity to really learn from our customer, and you know, we we really look to grow with our customer um, instead of being a brand that our customer grows out of. And I think that multi-category approach um, is is critical to achieving that goal.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And given your background, I'm sure that gives you a step up over uh, some of the competition. So I'm sure it's very helpful. Um, And then you've got a deep focus on a very specific aesthetic, which shows very much both on your website as well as in your stores. So just curious how how you would describe what the parachute aesthetic looks like to our audience.
0: Sure, so we, if you, if you'd like to close your eyes and dream with me, imagine Sunday morning, you know, you've just gotten out of bed, you're pouring that perfect hot cup of coffee and you're getting back into bed and you just take a deep, deep breath. And, um, you know, you look around the room and the sun is coming into the windows. I mean, that is the parachute aesthetic. It's this perfectly, Timeless, like perfectly undone. You know, we we focus on this sense of comfort, of the sense of of being relaxed um, and relaxed, casual. It's very lived in, but really timeless, and it does work with a number of different aesthetics. Which is why we don't have to design into these predetermined and, and described aesthetics that have you know, kind of been the way of the past. You know, we really focus on neutrals and texture and depth and dimension and adding, you know, something that's really beautiful to the home, but can work in a number of different settings, a number of different styles of homes. Um, But really it's this relaxed casual that Parachute has pioneered and we see people try to emulate, but we do it with such an authenticity that it's hard to replicate um, and is what our customers really come to us for and and have have loved you know and want more of
1: so on the topic of customers you've said before that you lead the business with a consumer first mindset so you recently you just mentioned earlier uh on the podcast that 70 percent of your shoppers are millennials so just curious how that's driving your decision making and really as you focus on this you know one subset of the demographics sure i mean look we have our customers you know do Um, do go beyond
0: millennials, but we do know that that's an important customer for us. Um, And if we think about the behavior and the preference of the typical millennial shopper, we know that they are more likely to buy a product recommended by a social media influencer. We know that they are 95% more likely to buy online without seeing a product in store. We know that they shop with their values and find sustainability to be important when shopping. And so we use those insights to engage our consumers at multiple touch points. Um, we have an incredibly engaging social media presence that seeks to both educate and inspire. Um, we have a digitally led browsing and shopping experience. We really seek to create an immersive in-store experience. You know, I believe that this is a customer that above all wants to buy beautiful products in beautiful spaces. And that's truly what our retail experience is like. It Our stores are designed to feel like a home. They're designed to so that our customers can see the product in their most authentic state. Um, And then lastly, I would just say that we are deepening our our public commitment to sustainability and responsible operations. So, you know, that's how we we hope to, you know, continue to deepen the relationship. Um, We also, you know, and this goes back to my past experience, you know, we, we believe in the relationship. You know, we are a transaction second business. The relationship always comes first. And we're really listening to our customers Customers, whether it's, like I said, through our e-commerce platform and store engagement, social media channels, to understand what they're looking for, to understand, you know, whether that's a new product or a new category or a new color. Um, and, you know, and, and we've also been able to digitize that experience a bit with our virtual styling consultation program. So, You know, there's, there's a lot there um, that is really top of mind. And as we continue to invest in our physical retail across the U S and, you know, in the next many years have a hundred plus stores, you know, we, we know that that relationship will just get deeper.
1: That's that's very interesting, uh, very insightful um, on the shopper. So going back to your comments on expanding into furniture last fall, just curious if you could share with us any learnings and then how those are driving uh, key progress going forward as you expand into additional rooms and continue to add SKUs?
0: Yeah, furniture is a totally different category (laughs) in business than um, textiles. So certainly there have been a lot of learnings. You know, we launched our first furniture collection at a time where many retailers were experiencing significant delays in their furniture um, shopping. I mean, it's, it's quite normal at this point to see a 30 to 50 even longer 60 plus week lead time for furniture. Um, and so one of the things that we really worked on ahead of our launch was how do we shorten that lead time? How do we make sure that we're setting clear expectations with the customer? And how do we set up um, you know, our white glove delivery experience so that end-to-end the, the experience is um, is significantly um, improved from, from what, um, you know, customers were facing. So we were able to develop a quick ship program, which was incredibly exciting for our launch, um, where we had enough inventory that was ready to go that would, you know, was essentially finishing touches being made, um, but we pre, pre-made um, a number of our furniture products so that they could be shipped within three to four weeks. Um, That's a program that we hope to be able to continue. Although, you know, our target lead time is is still significantly better than what many are facing, um, you know, looking at more 12 to 16 weeks um, as we move forward. But, you know, there's a lot of learnings around lead time, around um, white glove delivery um, and and just the supply chain in general. So, you know, we are always looking to learn and grow um, and get feedback from the customers. You know, one of our practices is to really make sure that we're having in-depth conversations with these early adopters of these products. Um, But, you know, the last thing that I'd mention is that, you know, we saw a really interesting split between returning customers and first-time shoppers that were buying furniture with us, as well as a huge uptick in interior designers buying our furniture, which we think is a great indicator that the style and the aesthetic and the quality um, are premium and are, you know, in line with the rest of our assortment um, and and really appealing to our customer base.
1: Yeah, and to your point, I think we've heard many, many furniture retailers talk about how the last thing you ever want to do is disappoint your shopper. So, Absolutely. you know, there are, there are very long lead times, but, you know, it seems like cancel rates don't go down as long as you stay in front of your shoppers, continue to communicate, Because shoppers do ultimately understand and see sort of what's going on in the world around them.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I actually think that the fact that the way supply chain works, you know, I think the fact that that has become top of mind for all consumers and people are having conversations about, you know, the challenges in a more... um, just in, a, in regular conversation, I think actually benefits all brands as we, um, you know, can shift expectations around this instant gratification as people really understand what it does take to get products from point A to point B and the cost associated with that. And and um, so I actually I, I think it's net net a positive thing that people are starting to understand and shift away from this instant gratification mentality.
1: Yeah, I think the longer this goes on, the more the average person learns about supply chains and how everything sort of works. So that's that's interesting. Um, just switching gears to marketing, uh, can you discuss your general marketing strategy? How are you thinking about paid versus unpaid? And then also the channels that make the most sense for you and then anything on how you look to attack uh, influencers as well?
0: Our marketing strategy is pretty diversified. We have, you know, since very early on um, looked to diversify our channel mix um, so that we are never too dependent on any one channel. You know, we, like many other brands, have a, a pretty strong test and learn component of our marketing mix. Um, and we've seen success in some of the traditional digital channels as well as um, some of the m- older school more, you know more old school traditional channels like catalogs and, and now streaming TV and, and, and commercial. you know influencer is an important category or an important channel for us. We've moved from a more pay-to-play to more of an affiliate program, um, looking to build relationships that are longer term with those influencers um, so that they're incentivized um, to, to promote our product, but to talk about it, to use the product and really share with their followings in an authentic way. Like many brands, you know, we've moved away from you know, or we've, we've moved our focus more to quality over quantity in terms of follower count. You know, we're seeing really incredible success rate with influencers that are in the more kind of, you know, 10 to 20,000 followers versus, you know, million plus followers. And yeah, I mean, we continue to make sure that our, both our organic and paid initiatives are, are balanced and cohesive and, but our, we have not had many challenges as of late in terms of kind of iOS changes or things like that, that have impacted a lot of brands.
1: Yeah, I, I think to your point, balance is the key word that we've been hearing a lot about recently. It seems like a lot of brands went you know, too deep on you know, either a channel or how they're um, approaching marketing and now looking to scale back a little bit and become much more balanced going forward. So yep. totally makes sense. Um, and as you continue to add categories and become a bigger part of your shopper homes, are you starting to see an improvement in your ltv to cac ratio and then just overall where do you see the biggest opportunity to further expand further expand in marketing uh just your ltv to cac
0: as we increase our assortment um you know that i think that has a huge impact on our ltv um you know we're we're really actually focused more on incrementality when we're looking at um key KPIs and um, and growth and success metrics. So looking at the business um, less and and kind of taking a new lens on attribution and how we are um, identifying opportunities, and that's become a real focus for us, and, and will continue to be the focus moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I would imagine that shoppers are returning, you know, much more often, much more quickly than they have in the past. Now, as you offer, you know, a lot more categories and you're building trust and share a wallet exactly. as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think what's been really exciting about our business is that, you know, while we did start as a betting brand, um, we, at this point now, eight and a half years since launching, you know, we are seeing people enter across multiple categories. We're seeing a lot of people shopping across multiple categories, you know, and, and there's not just one path that our customer takes on their journey. Um, we see them, coming back quite quickly. We see them moving from bedding to bath. We see them entering now in furniture. So, you know, we, we know that we're appealing to our customers in different parts of their journey within the home. And as we add more assortment, that just increases.
1: Sure, and then you're you're also quickly expanding your store base, which really ties into the last question. So, how do you think about the right physical footprint for you? What data do you leverage as you make these decisions? Um, you know, whether it's the city, the neighborhood, the exact street. So, just curious, how how you go about that.
0: Yeah, sure. So when we've 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 done some interesting exercises lately to kind of look at where we see long term our retail footprint netting out, and we really do believe that we have the opportunity to open over a hundred plus, like around a hundred plus stores in the next many years. You know, as I mentioned, we'll have thirty by the end of twenty two. And there's a few different ways when it comes to choosing new markets um, that we approach our decisions. So we're looking for locations where our brand already resonates um, with the customers. So looking where our customers live, we like to be in neighborhoods where we know that we have communities. And then we also are looking um, at neighborhoods um, that have, you know, the right co-tenants. Um, we love to be in neighborhoods that have a vibrant food and beverage presence as well so that our stores become part of a neighborhood that is not just about shopping, you know, from 10 to 7 p.m. But really, you know, we can be um, visible and top of mind through for um, our customers as they're eating dinner and and enjoying their evenings. Um, you know, and I think when we look at different markets, um, we're diversifying our presence. So, you know, we, we started really being on street level. Now we are moving into some premium luxury centers um, because that's just where people shop in those in those cities and so you know we we take a very local centric um approach um to make sure that we're in the right neighborhoods that we're by the right co-tenants and that we are near people who are already Uh. parachute fans and can you know be very helpful as in terms of word of mouth and, and telling their friends and and helping to get word out. We also know that people do love um, to touch and feel our products. We see a huge halo effect on our digital um, shopping when we open a store and we see people, you know, we see a, a huge increase in, um, in traffic online. So that's something that, you know, to bring it back to marketing, when we think about our marketing mix long-term, our retail presence will um, greatly impact you know, the way that we think about marketing as it drives brand awareness.
1: Yeah. And to your point, we do hear it often, whenever an online brand opens a store, you, you end up getting a really nice halo uh, both uh, in-store shoppers coming in trying the brand. And then it also does have a nice lift to uh, the traditional e-com channel as well. So serves uh, many purposes. And additionally, you know, to your point, it's, it's really nice. uh marketing channel as well. that can sometimes or oftentimes be cheaper than traditional e-com. Um, exactly, and then- I mean,
0: we we really see that inflection point and believe that inflection point happens right around where we are today, you know, 15 to 20 stores. And um, so we're excited to see how that impacts kind of the marketing mix in, in 2023 and beyond as we, um, you know, start getting, you know, 30 to 50 stores.
1: That's, uh, that's great. Yeah, I think over the years, as you do continue to open stores, I'm sure that that's going to continue to inflect in a positive direction. Um, And then just switching gears, we are traditionally big fans of retailers leaning into in house design, as we think it's a great way to build long term relationships and unlock share of wallet with the shoppers. So just curious if you can discuss what you're doing in this category, the benefits that you're seeing, and then what's ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's one of the things that truly sets Parachute apart. All of our products are designed in Los Angeles. Um, You know, we're working with kind of expert craftspeople around the world um, who are truly the best at manufacturing, but we We really own that whole process. We have an incredibly um, impressive design team, both on for our soft lines and now our hard lines. And we have never, you know, kind of been a brand that's bought off a line or seeks to do so. Everything that we've done has been truly designed by Parachute. um, And we've built these incredible relationships with our manufacturers where they're bringing us innovative fabrics and they're designing alongside us um, and really Giving us um, true partnership in that sense. And so, you know, we that is something that is so important to us. You know, we we also are also a brand that enjoys doing collaborations. And so we've been able to collaborate and partner with some exciting brands that share design sensibility and an emphasis on quality and being customer first. And um, that's allowed us to you know test the waters and kind of go outside the box in terms of design but we've still you know that that does not change our philosophy and and those partnerships you know still are, are designed in-house and you know maintain our our standard for excellence um we're really excited about our newest collaboration which launches it launches in April um <laughs> and uh it's a um does collaboration with an incredible interior designer named Jake Arnold who is truly the designer of the moment, and, and is is just doing such beautiful work. Um, and so we've designed a limited edition piece um, with Jake. And so it's this is a this will be kind of a trend for us moving forward. You know, when we decide when as we look beyond our own design team, you know, really leveraging the talent of interior designers and other um, design minded leaders within the industry to help us, you know, think. Differently about our products and texture and detail and and um, and design
1: aesthetics. That's interesting. And you actually uh, took uh, took my next question from me. But it sounds like that's really the the path that you want the the company to take going forward, um, instead of. Last year, you had a uh, a partnership with uh, Crate and Barrel. So just curious if we could see, you know, those types of partnerships or now that you grow your own uh, physical footprint, you know, we might see less of those and more of you partnering with, um, you know, other leading designers.
0: Yeah. I mean, Crate and Barrel was a really, really exciting opportunity for us. You know, we were in 80 plus doors. Um, We were able to build a shop and shop within those locations, um, as well as introducing unique colors colors and exclusive colors with the, for the Crate and Barrel shopper that were only available in Crate and Barrel locations and online. You know, that was a huge Wholesale opportunity for us to test um, what that looks like, um, and we also were able to get a ton of interesting information around, you know, with retail and 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 retail penetration and which stores, you know, were outperforming, and that hasn't helped us inform our retail strategy. So there were a lot of benefits there for us, as well as, of course, many benefits for them. It was their most successful collaboration to date at that point. So, which is really exciting. Um, but yes, I mean, I think. You know we've we've used a similar model um, in Canada. Um, we launched in Canada in um, last fall, and we partnered with Hudson Bay um, to create similar shop and shops in twenty of their locations um, to allow the Canadian customer to touch and feel products firsthand. So I think we're being really intentional um, as we think about wholesale. Um, you know, Crate and Barrel was always designed to be a limited time offering you know, and I think that's, has been our approach, um, has been more of a, a kind of test and learn a, um, a limited kind of more exclusive experience than taking a more traditional wholesale route. Although that has now, we've now tested into that, um, in Canada. Yeah, there could be more. We'll see what happens, but we do, we do love owning the experience. Um, we do love owning that relationship with the customer and owning, um, just, you know, the way that customers experience the brand from end to end.
1: That's, that's great. And uh, you touched on Canada. How has that uh, launch gone? Uh, We know Hudson's, uh, Hudson's Bay. Well, it's a very iconic brand in Canada. So just uh, curious to, you know, learnings and does that make you, you know, potentially interested into entering other international channels or do you stick to us and Canada for now?
0: Yeah, I mean, for now, we're sticking to U.S. and Canada. Um, The the success or the entry has been a success. Um, We opened up a distribution center in Canada and um, we've seen, you know, a real appetite from that shopper. Um, We are definitely um, keeping our eyes and options open when it comes to entering international markets. Um, That could be the right fit for Parachute and are in sort of a discovery phase um, in terms of what comes
1: next. Got it, that's helpful. And you recently introduced a number of senior individuals to the Parachute family. Uh, What attributes do those leaders bring and where do you see additional needs or opportunities as Parachute does continue to very quickly grow?
0: Sure, I mean, so, you know, we've had this incredible growth momentum in our business and, um, you know, really made sense at this inflection point um, to expand our leadership team. But we really, you know, whether it's executives or um, more junior team members, you know, we're always looking to seek out people that are obviously exceptionally talented, who share our core values, um, who believe in the brand, um, who lead with kindness, um, who are curious and uh, like and and really just have a passion for the brand. One of the benefits for being a consumer brand is that you often find talent who have a personal relationship with the brand and, um, you know, really share the mission and the vision and our, our, you know, again, you know, share our core values. Um, But yes, over the past few months, we hired our first chief commercial officer who joined us from Amazon. We joined, we hired our first chief merchandising officer who joined us after um, consulting for a few years with Parachute, but had previously been at Pottery Barn and Gap. And we also just most recently hired our first CFO. And we are, incredibly excited to have these brilliant people on our team and you know they've all been able to scale companies have been um part of uh incredible growth um both from a business perspective you know from a diversifying category perspective and um and so we we feel very confident in our ability to continue our growth momentum with um with this additional leadership
1: yeah, and to your point, I think it's, it's an incredible feeling when you're able to add team members that truly love the brand, that understand the brand, that appreciate the brand, and it really makes the entire experience much more rewarding, I think. Absolutely. And I can't let you go uh, without discussing your commitment to ESG. It's something that, you know, Parachute really stands firm on. So can you just discuss some of your projects, goals, and targets?
0: Yeah, sure. So we are, um, you know, it's always been important for our company, you know, to think about our people and our planet. Um, And so we are doubling down on our initiatives in 2022 and beyond. These commitments um, are intended to further our ongoing approach to conscious consumption and making products that customers really do feel Good about. Um, we'll be climate neutral certified and announcing that officially on Earth Day. But all of our commitments are really focused on a few different key pillars: climate and earth, responsible materials, ethical manufacturing, and then diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so um, we have a very um a robust section on our website now that's dedicated to our commitments and our timeline for continued um, initiatives and um, we will be updating that frequently as we continue to um, evolve and grow, but this will be a focus for us and in a more public way moving forward.
1: Sounds like you've got so much on your plate. Uh, lots lots going on at Parachute. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Very exciting so the, time. Yeah, so with that, uh, my last question for you, but what's what's been the most rewarding part of the job you've now led Parachute for? many years and obviously as we've discussed lots of big plans ahead so you know what really gets you motivated and is rewarding for you? Um, I would say
0: two things um, first the customer so um, every time I meet a customer who has um, you know had the pleasure of enjoying our products and um, many of whom um, are lifelong fans and have um, you know actually, can like tell me about how their sleep experience has improved or the way that they think about the home has changed. And, you know, it, it never gets old. I am, I'm so deeply moved and touched that our brand has an impact on people's lives and that we are able to, um, so intimately improve their experience at home. Um, it is so inspiring. And then I would say, um, the other, the other thing is is really is my team. Um, I am so grateful to have such an incredible team of leaders who inspire me every day, um, who I constantly learn from and feel like that I grow alongside. And so, you know, I would say that it's it's really all about the people and um, you yeah, know being able to. To continue to learn um, and build a brand that I so believe in um, is truly the biggest gift. And and now being able to share it with my own kids is, <laughs> is pretty special too.
1: No, that's, that's great. Um, really enjoyed my conversation with you and look forward to all the progress and growth ahead.
0: Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.